Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Pensions and Investments, where my guests and I will bring you up-to-date information on pension funds, securities class action litigation, and all matters related to your investment portfolio and shareholder recoveries. I'm Atara Torsky, securities class action attorney in New York City. I'm here today speaking with Blair Nicholas. Blair is the owner of Nicholas Family Vineyards in Dundee Hills, Oregon, and former managing partner at Bernstein Litowitz Law Firm. Blair was not only a partner at BLBG and the co-founder of the San Diego office, but he was a nationally recognized securities trial lawyer, successfully recovering billions of dollars on behalf of his clients. Blair, I'm really excited to speak with you today. How are you? I'm doing well, Atara. It's always nice to speak with you as well. Thank you. So, Blair, some of my audience of institutional clients, and I'm going to say really anyone in the securities class action world, will likely recognize your name and know who you are because you worked for many years at a plaintiff securities firm. And in fact, you and I were friendly competitors, right? But now you've like completely changed your life course and you own a vineyard. So tell me a little about that. Yeah, you know, I I really enjoyed the practice of law and, uh, you know, built a very uh, successful firm in California, you know, representing some of the largest private and public institutional investors in the world. I had the opportunity to, to work with fantastic lawyers at my own firm, as well as with other firms. And uh, my adversaries were always top notch. So every day I walked into the office, it was always a challenge, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, and, you know, by the time I had reached the age of about 45, I had built up su- sufficient financial resources and I really had felt like I had accomplished all of my professional goals with respect to my legal career. And it just was a kind of a natural time to step off the litigation treadmill and and focus on my family of four children who were still all at home. And, you know, I was able to spend time on some new adventures that I had postponed uh, due to the court's calendar for many years. And uh, and I really had committed myself to the rigors of the firm and, and what we were doing on behalf of our clients, which was wonderful. And so once I stepped off that treadmill, I, uh, I didn't put any pressure on myself to find anything or, or to follow any particular pursuit. I just felt like uh, if something came to me organically and presented itself at the right place at the right time, I would follow that, uh, that path. And, uh, you know, one, one thing I've, I've loved doing with my wife and my family is, is just traveling to different wine regions around the world, whether it's in Spain or France or Italy, Greece, New Zealand, Portugal, uh, Napa Valley, Paso Robles, Willamette Valley. So always, wherever I went, I'd always look to see if there was a, uh, a wine region and, and different areas were have different winemaking and vineyard farming practices, such as when you go to Greece and you go to the different islands, the vines grow on the ground and not on the trellises. And I just found everything like that super fascinating, but never really thought about doing it on my own. And, uh, you know, one one day I just felt like, you know, it was time to take a trip to the Willamette Valley 
And it's an area that I always had a real interest in. I'd been to the International Pinot Noir Celebration 10 years ago. I'd also spent time in Burgundy. And one thing, if you spend time in Burgundy and you love their wines, what you'll quickly find out is the other place to grow world-class Pinot Noirs is in the Willamette Valley because it, you know, it sits at the 45 degrees north latitude, same as, same as Burgundy, uh, Cote d'Or, and it really attracted me to the region. And so I, uh, I journeyed up there and started to kind of look around. And the more I looked around, the more I uh, realized how interesting it would be not only to uh, make wine as I had done on a very micro scale here with my own small vineyard in San Diego on my property, but also to farm land and to, to kind of connect to the land. And so uh, that really led me to uh, this, you know, opportunity in the Willamette Valley that wasn't actually for sale, but uh, through a relationship, uh, it was it was presented to me and and you know now I'm off on this uh, vineyard and and winery uh, journey, which has been really really wonderful. You know, I wish you could see my face now because I'm really have this big smile on because I love this story. I, I love the idea that you were this you know hardcore lawyer, which you were, and you were really successful, which you were, and you enjoyed it also. It's not that you didn't like what you were doing, but suddenly you just said, you know what, it's enough. I've done this chapter for a long enough time, and now I want to pursue another chapter. And what's really interesting and cool is that you didn't even leave the law with the intention of doing this. It's sort of that when you did close the door, the other one just kind of slowly opened without you even realizing it, right? I think that's a great way of putting it. And I'm really glad I didn't put that pressure on myself because I really, I really wanted to find something that would happen just naturally something that I would connect with, not only just, you know, with my own interests, but also something that my family could connect with. And this was kind of the perfect pursuit because it's something that not only could I build with my wife who, you know, she, we had separate careers uh, before she began taking care of our family. And now this is something that we can do together. I just had my daughter uh, she came down from University of Washington and celebrated her 21st birthday at the vineyard and is uh, very interested in the whole process. I think she kind of understands a little bit about what it's about and, and really kind of has the same types of feelings and met the, the neighbors who are all very close and have nothing but time for each other and collaboration. And it's really neat to not only, you know, the law was very much an individual pursuit for me with respect to the family and the vineyard just feels more like a family, a family pursuit, something that we're, we're all in together and just really, really enjoying it. And the goals are different because it's not a, it's not a financial goal, right? It's more of a lifestyle and, and passion pursuit. And a passion project. Yeah. You know, um, as the author of, of children's book series, it's the same for me. Like that is my side hustle, I always say, but it's my family side hustle because my children are involved in it. It's like a family conversation and it's nice to have that. And I think it's nice for kids to see that you have other interests that could turn into something more. 
So I, I think that's great. And I, I guess um, I'd love to ask because a lot of my clients and a lot of my listeners of this podcast are going to be um, former or current police officers or firefighters. And, you know, they retire really young from their careers, but the, you know, 45, 50, it's too young to stop working for most people. So like, what advice would you give them about choosing a second career? You know, that's a, that's a really good question, but I think, you know, if you look over the course of your life, you, you find certain things that you really enjoy doing and you really enjoy doing with others and they make you feel really good. For some people that's traveling, for other people it's surfing, for others it's golfing, for others it's uh, the adventure of just life and, 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 and spending time with people. So I think as I looked over the course of my life, I was gravitating towards, once I retired, I was gravitating towards things that really, really were meaningful to me and, and uh, I really enjoyed, I knew I enjoyed them. And I want to do more of that. And the one thing about working in the law is you're very married to the, the court schedule, your firm schedule and whatnot. And to, to once you're once you're retired, to be able to have the time to follow some of those pursuits that really were fulfilling to you, whatever those are, and they're different for different people. For you, it's writing children's books, which is you've done an amazing job balancing your uh, career with your with your passion. I when I worked was pretty single minded in terms of raising four kids and and my job. And uh, the one thing I really wanted to do is find more balance as, as you had found. And uh, that's the really nice thing about um, the people you're talking about firefighters, policemen who are able who have the ability to retire earlier and and follow those those projects. I have a friend that he, uh, he rebuilds old Mustangs and that's what he loves to do. Loves to be in the garage, loves to build these Mustangs and turn them, you know, this, these cow's ears into silk purses. And, and it's a really cool project, you know? And, and so everyone finds their own way and it's neat to look back and think about the things you did with your dad or your mom or your family. And what are those things that made you really happy? Right. And, you know, it's interesting you speak of surfing. So I don't know if you know Ari Gabinet. I interviewed him for one of my podcast episodes. I actually met him also through the law. He was general counsel at Oppenheimer. Um, so one of our clients for many years. And then he also did really exactly what you did. He said, you know, I think I'm done. Um, I was a lawyer for, you know, 25, 30 years. I want to do something else. And he surfed because that was what he loved to do. And he used to send me pictures. I'm in Costa Rica. I'm in Hawaii. And eventually he's actually settled down into being a professor. So now he's a professor at um, Brown University. And he also spends a lot of uh, his free time surfing. So it's, you're right. It's different for everyone, but it's important, I think, to find what it is that really makes you feel that life is meaningful. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, uh, you know, it's interesting since I've left uh, the law, it's not, it's not the finances that I miss. It's if there's one thing I missed when I left, it was really the camaraderie. It was the people. It was the people I met, the client interaction, uh, people like you in the industry, even if they were competitors, I had a lot with those people, people within my own firm, the younger lawyers who I was able to mentor. And some people uh, leave their legal career and 
because they did so much mentoring towards the end of the their career, they, they love to go into teaching. Uh, others, you know, want to be around people. I, I miss that interaction. And the neat thing about the, um, the winemaking community and being in a wine region is uh, most people uh, are on their second chapter in terms of their careers and they have nothing but time for you. And so, uh, you know, it's not uncommon to have a two hour lunch. It's not uncommon to, to meet over, over a glass of wine, you know, and, and if people are available for dinner, people are available to walk their vineyards. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's community where, um, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't at the activity level where I could go to a leisure world and play golf and, you know, just, just, you know, walk around this, the neat thing about being in a, winemaking community is there's a lot of interaction with your neighbors and the community, not to mention um, in the Willamette Valley specifically, people are very philanthropic in terms of elevating the farm workers into becoming winemakers and to becoming vineyard owners and to supporting the local schools who uh, are really the children of, of farm workers and, uh, and making sure in their careers they're elevated and reaching their potential. And uh, I really like their commitment to the community. And I love their commitment to kind of the philanthropic, important philanthropic um, impact that they can have. That's amazing. Um, Tell me a little, uh, talking about farming, because, you know, just from what I read, farming is really, it's mostly a family business, correct? And it's, it's also somewhat of a dying industry here in the US, right? Like what are farmers really doing these days to survive? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the old saying, um, you know, cash poor and, and sometimes land rich, but not all, right? So it's, it's a business where it's year to year and um, it's, it's a difficult business. Um, you look at uh, what happened in the wine regions of Napa Valley last year and basically the entire, um, 2000 vintage was wiped out by the fires and smoke damage. Um, and you look at other crops, you have, you know, right now in Burgundy, 50% of the entire vintage of this year is wiped out because of the frost. Um, so it's a very, it's an extremely uh, risky uh, business to go into. The prices fluctuate uh, dramatically. And um, farming um, Pinot Noir specifically, which is the thinnest, one of the thinnest grapes that you can farm, it is susceptible to every single environmental impact that you have in the environment. And so you can imagine how quickly your Pinot Noir grapes can turn, turn bad if you have the, the wrong environmental conditions. So it's, a, it's, not, it's not an area to go into if you're looking for uh, uh, no risk, uh, it's a it's a it's a you know it's a risky proposition. But there's people that, uh, and I, I can tell you, it's 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 really neat to do something where you're connected to the land, and you're producing something off the land, and you're able to share that that pursuit with others. Uh, it's a really I, I don't know how to describe it other than. It's just a really neat internal feeling. Yeah, and I bet you're really somewhat of a changed person because of that, right? Would you say? Would your wife say? Uh, yeah, I I would say I it 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 ground it definitely grounds you. 
it uh, time slows. I mean, you, you you can be in the vineyard for hours, and not something I could have imagined myself doing five years ago. Uh, I can sit down and something about following your passions is I can sit down and read about the different phases of the vineyard for hours. And I can be reading till one o'clock in the morning. And the reason for that is, is because I just have such a strong interest in it and it fascinates me and everyone has different fascinations. Right. It's really neat because when I was working and I was litigating, I didn't have time to follow uh, those types of passions. So it's really neat to just have the time to focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, you, you speak about risky, you know, farming is a risky industry. Well, you're, you're no stranger to risk because, you know, securities class action litigation is super risky on the plaintiff's end, right? So that was probably just normal for you. But I, I knew you and I discussed also how there, there was, I know there is a sense of camaraderie in a law firm. We try always to instill that in, you know, the firm that I'm at. But there's also some difficulty as litigators, right? It feels sometimes like a really challenging environment as far as, you know, the stress level and the intense nature of it. I mean, what advice like would you kind of just give us securities lawyers and, and really lawyers generally, but but anyone who's feeling that this is this is a difficult environment to really find yourself in? Well, I think you're exactly right. It was the only career that I uh, have worked in since I went to law school. And so it's all I knew. But now stepping out of it, um, I recognize how difficult it can be to wake up every day and basically be in an adversary per, uh, position with many people who basically, you know, want to, I don't know if the right word is destroy, but they want to definitely win their case. And you, you know, there's a winner and there's a loser off, right? And to wake up and have, you know, not just one or two ad adversaries, but you might have 25 of them on a given day with the different phone calls. And that can really, that can really have an internal impact. And I think one thing I saw in the law um, is there's a lot of lawyers who've become so consumed with the, um, the practice that they fail to take care of themselves. And I think it's really important that first you got to take care of yourself, meaning your health, your, your not only your physical health, but also your mental well-being. And, you know, anyone who's in the law understands the, uh, the, the, the dependencies that many trial lawyers have because of the stress levels. And it's great to be dependent on something like working out or hiking or running, but really making sure you set aside time to first take care of your physical self and take care of your mental health. Because if you don't do that, I think it leads to serious burnout. Uh, it leads to uh, personal isolation and it just becomes a very unhealthy environment. I think you're so right. You know, for me, I find that when I'm feeling like it's getting, you know, the environment is getting difficult, you know, I always remember and to connect with my clients, right? Like, cause your institutional clients and your investor clients, those are great people and they're salt of the earth people and they're from all over the country. And it's so nice to get a different perspective from people everywhere who ultimately I find, right, people are the same everywhere and we all want the same things. But it's nice to hear from different parts of the world and to just 
tap into like what's important to my client in Georgia or Oklahoma or San Diego, right? And that I find has always been very centering for me because I think that there, there can be a real struggle for attorneys in this business, really everywhere, but I, I'm speaking specifically because I know this business really to lose um, your soul. And that's so unhealthy to do. And the truth is it doesn't end up serving your clients either because you have to have a soul at the end of the day no matter what you do. And if that means you're going to make a little less money, that's okay. But you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror. And most of us have children. You want to be able to look at them and feel like you're doing the right thing. And I think that's something that attorneys really need to be mindful of. Well, yeah. And I've always really respected you because you you have that uh, work-life balance uh, that a lot of, that many lawyers do not have. And one thing, I, I wasn't practicing during the, the pandemic, but if there's some good things that come out of it, which I think there are, one thing with respect to the law is I think uh, a lot of lawyers were able to work from home. Yes. Were able to connect with their families. I think the law firms understood that lawyers can be, do not have to be in the office uh, six, seven days a week at their desks to be productive. And lawyers can be more connected with their, their families and doing things outside of the office and can work more flex schedules and be just as productive. And by the way, a lot happier. I think that's uh, true. Because they have those different things. So I, I you know, I hope, uh, you know, post-COVID that um, the, uh, the law firms, big, small, medium, are able to provide uh, their legal professional staff as well, not just lawyers, but uh, legal professionals with more of that acceptable work-life balance. Because I think you're right. Uh, the more balance that people have, the more the more um, connection they have to pursuits, not only within the law, but outside the law, the healthier that lawyer is and the healthier the law firm is as a whole. Right. And actually, the more productive you really end up being in the long run. I agree with that. Yeah. So tell me, you come from a family of lawyers, right? Are any of your children interested in going into the law field? <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, I, I really impressed upon my kids to follow whatever passion that they have. You know, if they, I don't, I, as, as I stand right now, I have a daughter at University of Washington. I have a son at Princeton. I have a daughter heading to college at UC Santa Barbara. And I have a freshman in high school. And just as I would expect, and I'm really glad they are, they are just interested in life and exploring Great. different things. And I hope they take the time to find something that's really meaningful to them. Yes. If it's the law, fantastic. If it's something else, I'm fully supportive. I really just want them to find something that they're happy with. That's great. Yeah. That's my motto to my kids always find meaning and figure out a way to make money while you're doing it. Cause we all have to live. So um, Blair, this was great. I had a great conversation with you. I, I love that you have done such a huge 360 here. <laughs> I think it's a 180, but I love that you really did that and that you just really have found really your calling. And when you find your calling, like, I think there's always more to come. So I'm curious to see what else happens from this vineyard. But in the meantime, I know you're on Instagram trying to build your brand, which I'm so supportive of. So tell our listeners who are interested in other things, because I'm sure so many are, where can they find out about your vineyard? 
Well, yeah. So our little bit about our vineyard. So it was it's a very iconic vineyard that was planted in the late 90s and produces some of the you know some world class Pinot Noir and Chardonnay grapes. And uh, this will be my first harvest under our brand. So we will not have wine for a couple of years, uh, which gives us a nice runway to you know, build the brand and to actually uh, work with our winemaker to produce the types of wine we want to produce. So uh, we're at, on Instagram and Facebook at, at Nicholas Family Vineyards, okay. uh, all one, all one run on word. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you're happy to, to, to follow us there um, and would love when we have our uh, currently in the process of of designing and building the tasting room. We have a, we have a home on the, on the property. And when the tasting rooms open and the wine is released in 2023, I would love nothing more than to share it with my, my, uh, my former colleagues in the bar, as well as clients and, and anyone else who wants to come up and visit the Willamette Valley. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Okay. Well, I will be there and I am already following you on Instagram. So I encourage everyone else to do so as well. I'll put it in my show notes so everyone can actually see it in front of them and just make a simple click. <laughs> so thanks so much for coming on. It was, it was really, really, really great to have you. Well, that's really nice of you. And I, I always enjoy uh, speaking with you, Adara. All right. Thank you. Bye for now. 